Vicky would tell me, probably every five years of her existence, that every so often when we reach certain milestones in our lives, meaning age, that it's like a switch is flipped and we adapt to or adopt certain behaviors that just become part of us. Granted, Vicky is way, way, way older than I am. I'm joking. In actuality, she's just way older than I am. But she is my oldest, oldest friend. And she's my bestest friend in the whole wide world. And I will tell that to anybody who will listen. But when she would tell me these things, I didn't really believe her. I mean, I didn't understand that she would tell me that one day I wouldn't feel like going out to the bars anymore. Or one day I wouldn't feel like I needed fill in the blank in my life anymore. I was living my life. I was happy. Vicky, don't rain on my parade. You get that? That's a Barbara Streisand reference. At least I think it is. If it's not, then I guess you can take away my gay card. But if it is, I want two. Gay cards, that is. Let's take a trip down Vicky Lane after she and I finally got rid of Kenny. I remember she moved into this big house. That's what I'll call it, a big house, because basically that's all I remember about it. She moved in the big house with Kenny. Kenny's another character in my life that I'll talk about, albeit very briefly. Uh, Kenny loved Vicky, and Vicky appeared to love Kenny. And so by association, I don't know, Kenny was just there. He didn't like me. I didn't much care for him. So we just coexisted because we both loved Vicky. So they lived in this big house and it really didn't mean a whole lot to me because it wasn't me and Vicky and our shenanigans. It was me coming over to the big house in which Vicky and Kenny lived. Well, moving along, they moved into a small apartment. And you know what? It was much better living in that small apartment. We had more fun, more interactions. Um, I think I can share more stories because Kenny wasn't there a lot of the time, thank God. So that made life a little bit more enjoyable. It was an apartment located in Southern California in what I believe was called and I think is still called Bankers Hill. It is a beautiful neighborhood. It is high up on the hills. It overlooks the San Diego airport, or I believe it's called Lindbergh Field now, and had wonderful ocean views. The downside to it was that it was so close to the airport, and the runway at Lindbergh Field is so short that the planes coming in to land at Lindbergh Field 
basically came so close to their wheels scraping the top of your apartments or houses as it landed right over the freeway. And I drove that freeway a lot. Freeway 5, I believe it was. And it was a little sketchy sometimes seeing that plane coming down so low. But the property values were high then. And I'm sure the property values are even more high now because it is a lovely area. I, I sort of feel like I want to go off on a tangent here because it's a San Diego Lindbergh field airport type story that sort of kind of goes along with what I'm talking about, at least not the Vicky part of it, but the airport part. Um, my parents and I traveled to Europe one year. This was probably about, I don't know, seven or eight years ago. Maybe a little bit long. No, I think it's probably a little bit longer. Maybe ten. Anyway, we had to fly out of Lindbergh Field in one of those big planes. And that's what I'll call it, big plane. I don't know what else to call it. But because the airport runway is so short, these big planes can't take off fully fueled. So they have to take off minimally fueled and fly to an airport that has a much longer runway where they can fully fuel and then take off. And on our way to Europe, we would go. I believe the airport was in Arizona. Don't hold me to it. But what I remember is, is that we were all ready to board this big plane. And believe me, it was big. And it was before 9-11. So maybe that sort of kind of makes it longer than 10 years. I don't know. Why don't we just suffice to say it was before 9-11. That way the story makes more sense. So I, we all got onto the plane. I asked the flight attendant because, of course, my motto is it never hurts to ask. Because all somebody can do is say no, right? So you ask, and you may receive. You just don't get your feelings hurt if somebody says no. So I asked the flight attendant if it would be possible for me to sit in the cockpit while the plane is taking off. And of course, she looked at me with a side eye like, mm-hmm. But she said, I'll take you to your seat so I'll know where you're sitting and I will go ask the pilot what he thinks, and I will come back and let you know. So we sat there, and after a little while, she did come back, and she did say that the pilot said it was okay for me to sit in the cockpit during takeoff. I was so excited. They brought me up, because in the big planes, you sort of have like a triple-decker type situation where, you know, the the peasants or, you know, the, the regular passengers are sitting on one level. And then you've got, you walk upstairs and you have another level where they have like a, a little bar setting and a little club setting where people can get up out of their, their seats and go and mingle. And then you go up another set of stairs 
And that's where the real people sit, the VIPs. And we're walking along and I'm walking through the VIPs with the flight attendant in front of me and me in tow. And we're walking through the aisle and I can feel people looking at me like, well, what's going on here? And I was headed to the cockpit. They opened the door. I went inside. They strapped me in. And the pilot told me the only rule that they had for me sitting in the cockpit was that I wasn't allowed to scream. And I really didn't understand that at first. But as I looked around and I saw buttons and lights and everything, not only in front of me, but on the sides of me and up on the ceiling, I thought to myself, wow, if I were somebody of ill intent, I could do some damage. I could push this button and this button and I wouldn't have any idea what pushing the buttons would mean. But by the time I pushed the buttons, God only knows what would have happened. Anyway, there was a pilot, and to the right of him, there was a co-pilot. In back of him, there was somebody else. And to the left of that person was me. And we were all buckled in, and the plane started to take off. And what I found interesting was that I remember remember when I sat in other planes before during takeoff, when we start to ascend, it feels like the nose is up in the air and the tail is in back and we're sort of leaning back in our seats and we're going up, 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 nose first. Maybe it's different in a plane that's much, much smaller than the big plane that I was in, but in the big plane that I was in, when we started to take off, it wasn't that nose to the sky, tail to the earth type thing. It was basically this parallel uplift into the sky, like we were just levitating into the sky, higher and higher. And all I remember besides that was looking out the front window it's probably called something different, but it's a front window to me. And I could see nothing. I wasn't able to look down, so I couldn't see any lights below me. All I could see was through the front window. Again, nothing. It was, I guess I could see something. It was the lights of the plane shining on the fog or the clouds in front of us, which sort of reflected back to us. And in my mind, all I could think of was Airport 1975, where they're flying along and we're all happy little flyers. And then a small plane crashes into us. Now, granted, the small plane didn't crash into the window of the plane. It's, it, it smashed into the wing, if I remember correctly. Maybe I'm wrong. If I'm wrong, please let me know. But you know what I mean. It's kind of like you're sitting there and I'm waiting for something to smash into that front window. And of course it didn't. And we ascended into the heavens and we leveled off. 
and we were flying. And then I was dismissed. It's time for you to go now. You've had your fun. Go back to your peasant seat. And we will be in Europe in about 12 hours. Which is what I did, and it was perfectly fine. But, you know, I felt like the cock of the walk when I came out of the the front cockpit. Oh, that's funny. I was the cock of the walk coming out of the cockpit. Never thought about it that way. But I was walking down the aisle, went down the stairs, went and sat in my little seat. And I was a happy little clam knowing that I had sat up there. And probably something that I would never do again. And now since 9-11, I know it's something that not only I will ever do again, but it's something that more than likely a good percentage of people will never get to experience. So I wanted to share that with you as part of my story in Lived to Tell. Now I'm not done yet because I have to get back to Vicky and I'll think on it, whether I get back to Vicky in this particular podcast or I make it another part. I don't know. I'm going to put it on pause right now, think on it, and then come back with some semblance of an ending. But regardless of what I do, I'd like to have an advertisement here because it's part of the bigger scheme of things of podcasting. I'll do that right now, and then hopefully I'll pick up with more of the Vicky story after that. Till later.